In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, autism support, the emotional pain, and then places of beauty based on this disorder. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Man versus Marriage. Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is I, Quincy Moran, aka the Q Dog, in the Moran family studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Honey, say, What's up? Hi, babe. That is not what I asked you to say. Um, with that being said, keep in mind that you can email us directly, Jeannie. Uh, at mvsmpodcast.com or as uh, all of Jeannie's nurses and gynecologists used to call her Jean. Shut up. But it's Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E, at mvsmpodcast.com or Quincy, Q-U-I-N-C-Y, at mvsmpodcast.com. That's how you can get to us directly. I'm considering starting... um, the text app that people are doing a lot of, like Ed Milet, uh, Graham, uh, just a few people that I associate with, not that I personally associate with, but that I follow, they you can opt in with texting. And then you can send messages, and they can send messages to you, which is pretty cool. Not They won't necessarily have your phone number, like your personal number, but it's a number they can text. So that might be a little more convenient than email. With that being said, if you're in America and you eat beef, chicken, pork, including bacon, support your local ranchers. Support them. The big box stores are always going to have enough business, but we need to support those family legacies. Buy American beef. If you're in another country, which we know many of you are because you are, I can see where you're listening, support your local ranchers and farmers. Buy their products. I'm buying my products from Gloria at uh, Woody Ranch in Woody, California. Family farm since 1862. What we're trying to do is eliminate the loss of these ranches since 2015 thanks to the big meat packing companies and uh, their skullduggery with Congress, 20,000 American ranches a year since 2015 have gone out of business. And that's just freaking unacceptable. So wherever you are, if you're in America, please buy American beef. There you go. That is my soapbox. For now, let's get down to business. So in this particular episode... We want to support you all, and we want to hear your story. Um, Also, real quick, we've selected a winner from the Zoom contest, the 30-minute meet-and-greet. Just waiting to hear back from this gentleman named Chris. Um, And once he gets back with us, we will start the contest again. Unless, maybe, I don't know, should I give him, like, another few days and then just pick yeah. another winner or run the contest he doesn't mind. yeah you know what it's his spot 
we'll just go ahead and start the contest again. And when he resurfaces, we'll do it. Um, so I want to, I wrote a poem about autism at one point. If you don't have autism in your family, and, and or it, let's go with a disability, okay? If you don't have uh, disabilities within your family, well, you know, God bless you, and I don't begrudge you. Um, I don't begrudge you because of that. But I will, I want to... I want to read, if I can find it, a poem that I wrote years and years and years ago, and it was just really, really difficult. Um, I was in a hard place. I was in a really hard place, and uh, I can't find it. I didn't even plan on it. I just kind of put it here, but while you're talking, I'll go and look for it. Um, But I'm telling you, there are times in your life when you have parents with autism and it starts to set in that your child is not as much as they want to even if they can verbalize it they're not going to get married they are not going to continue on and go play some professional sport or have a career drive a car uh drive a car uh in my case carry on your family name because my um Essentially, in my line, I'm the last one to have a male that's Moran. And with my death and the death of my son, this line of the family tree disappears forever. It's gone. And that is really hard for me because I am a legacy man. And I always envisioned myself having sons that would carry on my name. So that we, you know, because I want to make great human beings. With that being said, I've got some really awesome daughters. <laughs> and even though even though they, you know, will not necessarily carry on the family name because they'll be taking their husband's name, um, should they get married, um, there is not one daughter I would trade. None. Catch me on the right day. And I, <laughs> I might barf one well. or two. Who might barter but, to give um, one away for a little while? <laughs> there are some things that the older you get that reality starts to set in. And those are some of the things that we're going to cover today. And this, the, when I wrote this particular poem, and it may be in my email or something, um, I was at a very, very low. It's hard to get me hopeless. It is hard to put me in a spot where I feel hopeless because I am a driven optimist. But I had come to a place, I don't know if I've ever been depressed in my life, but I had come to a place where I was terribly lonely and it was compartmentalized to what, it centered around this autism thing. And um, I think it was the moment that you realized, like when it really, really hit that Hunter will not be like anybody else. He won't have the things that you really want him to have. Well, there was a few times, but this was on during that time where we were not sleeping and, Mm -hmm. you know, I had this crazy dream and it was like, it was like a massive, like a massive wall had formed and I had boxed things out and boxed things in. Um, So with that being said, I'm going to have you talk us through this episode 
I mean, dead gum. We're nearly 10 minutes in, and I've been rambling. So to the audience, I semi-apologize, but I semi-don't. <coughs> Thank you for listening to the things I've said. I'm going to look for this poem while you're talking and listen to you the best I can. Well, we're at a stage now where, um, you know, you, you get the diagnosis when they're younger. You kind of go through as much as you can getting them through school, trying to help them fit in, trying to make as many um, therapy choices, help choices as you can to get them as not normal per se, but functional in their own life. And then they get to a point when they're teenagers, somewhere, I think Hunter started right around 12-ish. He started noticing things like he couldn't get a girlfriend. How come other people have girlfriends and he can't have a girlfriend? And then he was all excited because daddy had a truck and he was going to drive daddy's truck. And that's something that we had to start talking to him about to get him to understand you, you can't drive a truck. You won't be able to drive a car. Um, you know, and then we were going through stuff. Um, obviously that it's not autism's fault that our marriage was struggling. Okay. The, the struggles that we had were us. It's how we handled things or how we didn't handle things. So I'm not blaming our kids or their disability for the issues that we had. It added to the stress and it created a wall because when you're that tired and you're that stressed and everything in front of you at the time was no, 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 and you can't or she can't or he can't, it just, it just weighed us down so hard that the last thing we were thinking about was, you know, our marriage and whether or not we were okay. We were just trying to trudge through it. And um, when the we came to that breaking point and we started talking with Rita, we started finding things out about ourselves. We started recognizing, um, you know, we what scared me, I think, was we started spending time together. We started having the quality time and the hard talks and we were starting to get a lot better. And we were starting to see a little bit of light. Which was great because at the time there was none. So having something come up that that put us in a different direction and brought us a little bit more hope, it helped. It helped both of us get back on track and start, you know, putting ourselves first. You started making changes for your health. I was start starting to make changes at home. You know, we just we started getting better. But then Hunter got to be what, seventeen? No, eighteen. 18 is when it hit the hardest because he, he realized that his cousin who is the same age as him is going to college and Hunter is not. And when can I go to college? And then of course we didn't think anything of this. It is an innocent little cartoon. Hunter watches blues clues religiously. It's his favorite show. He still watches it to this day. Any, his favorite episode is Steve goes to college. So, at the time that all this was going on, he kept saying he wanted to go to college like Steve. It took us a while to figure out what he's talking about. But then he started talking about how his cousin was going to college and they're the same age. Why am I not going to go? And when am I going to drive a car? Because she would come over in her new car and park in the driveway. And when am I going to drive a car? You're not going to drive a car, bud. Well, when am I going to get a girlfriend? I'm going to get married and I'm going to have sons and I'm going to name them Rocky. And hearing him try to wrap his head around why he couldn't have these things was the most heartbreaking part for you and I. I know it crushed you. Um, it was terrible. Because Hunter actually had a full-on breakdown, sobbing tears and everything because he registered 
Why can't I do these things? Why can't I have these things? And for a while, he thought it was just me and Quincy telling him no. You know, you always tell me no. I'm not telling him no because I don't want him to have it. I'm telling him no because he's not capable. I'd be more than happy to let the guy try some of these things if I really thought that he could. But the law won't let him drive a car. Trust me, y'all don't want him to drive a car. He's got the attention span of like two minutes. And you think he <laughs> has a two-minute attention span? You're giving this guy credit. Oh, I'm trying. But then they're, you know, looking at, at him and trying to navigate his emotions. And then comes the conversation that we have to have about Kirsten because Kirsten will never leave home. Hunter will never leave home. Now, we've talked about, you know, in the grand scheme of life in the clouds conversation, we'll own a big home. We'll have these little, like, you know, those little mini houses that attach to the garage, but they don't have a kitchen. He'll have his own living room, bedroom, and a bathroom, but no kitchen. And he can just walk across the carport or the garage and come in the house and we'll take care of food for him and whatnot. In the perfect world, in the dream that we have, that will happen. When that's going to happen, I don't know. Santa and I have not had this conversation yet. (laughs) But, um, you know, looking at the fact that Hunter can't live on his own. And he wants to live with my parents, but that's not... A possibility either because my parents are older they're taking care of each other right now you know they're they're up there in age and he doesn't understand that and trying to get him to understand he's gonna live with mom and dad for the rest of his life now i know there's the option of assisted living but that's not an option that we want to consider um i i just i don't want him living with someone else and someone else possibly taking advantage of him because he is such a generous kid mm-hmm. and he's such a sweetheart that he would give you all of his stuff if he had money he would give it all to you just because you're talking to him and you're his friend and it would leave him with nothing and he wouldn't understand why and there are sadly people in the world who would do that to him um kirsten will never be able to take care of herself kirsten can't wipe her own butt let's just be real she is a 19 year old woman who cannot take care of herself in any way shape or form she doesn't use utensils to eat. She uses her fingers. I, I try mean, to force her to do that. We try, but it doesn't it doesn't stick. But the point is this is the this is the life that we have to look forward to it. So at one point when things were getting better, I kind of got discouraged because how are you and I going to continue, you know, our getaway weekends or what are we going to do about date nights when the other kids are going to be off living their life and doing their thing? I don't want to call them back home to babysit their brother and sister so you and I can go do our thing. I'll call them home. You know, and then there's Hannah who's struggling now. Um, She's just recently come to the place where she's recognized, you know, she's getting ready to graduate high school. I think, honestly, I think senior year teachers need to back off. I think the stuff that's being drilled in their head is so ridiculous right now. It's like if you haven't made a decision on where you want to go to college by Christmas time, then you're not going to go. You're not making sense. It's just the the way the conversation comes around from our kids. It's like if you don't know what you're doing, then, you know, you're not going to have a life. You're going to be one of these kids that works at a McDonald's or what have you. And it's like there's there's so many things that they need to just shut up about. There's enough pressure realizing I'm an 18, 19-year-old adult, technically speaking, And the entire routine that I have had for the last 13 years of my life from kindergarten out is going to be gone. 
And I have the option to take on another four to eight years of that same structure and pay through the nose and have to figure out how I'm going to do that or pay it back. Well, let me let me just touch base on something real quick. And um, say that it, relative to the teachers needing to back off, they really, in my opinion, just need to know their audience. Yeah. And the the teacher that was encouraging Hannah to do all these things that mentally she is incapable of doing. Emotionally, my God, can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, it's. I understand why she would want to be a nurse, but... A couple of quick questions. Well, how do you how do you work with blood? What if you got to give somebody a shot? Or, you know, it's like I could never do that stuff. Okay. Well, come on, teacher. Well, know your student. And that's that's part of it. It's not necessarily that I don't want them to to. I don't want them to back off the entire senior class. That's not my point. Yeah, but I just want to clarify the, that the way that it came out with Hannah was she's in this group. You know, they help get her employment, and then they start working on, um, you know, plans for college. They have to do these college reports and all these different things. They have to find out all the information, which is great. But what they did was they put her in a group, and all these kids in her group all want to go to medical school, want to be nurses, want to go into the military, going to be an engineer. So Hannah just kind of gravitated to, well, medical sounds good because she wants to be a nurse like her grandmother, which would be a great profession for her if she could handle it. But all I had to do was ask her two questions. Yeah. If someone like grandpa came in and you saw that he was in pain and he wasn't going to make it and you have to be there with him, can you do that? She fell apart and started crying. No, no, I don't I, No, I don't want to be in charge of that. I don't want to have to tell people that someone died. Okay. And she wanted to work with children. I said, what if you're dealing with a child with a seizure? What do you do? I mean, you're going to have to put a needle in his arm and put medicine in his arm. And you're going to have to hold him down sometimes. I said, your brother had to have 11 shots one time to get an IV. Could you do that? And tears are streaming down her face. And no, I don't want to hurt a baby. I don't want to hurt a little kid. I just, I just want to be like a tech. Okay. Techs still have to understand medication. They still have to understand. Mm, now the techs don't, honey. They don't give the medication. She has to understand it. She still has to know the body parts. She still has to know the basics. They still have to take the same classes. We looked it up with her. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I guess I'm wrong. Here's the issue. An anatomy physiology class for Hannah is a nightmare waiting to happen. There's over 240 things that she has to memorize. Functions medications, adaptations, what they do, how they do it. She struggles with her memory. Wow. And telling her, you have to be able to do basic math and you have to be able to do it in your head. That threw her through a loop. And I'm not trying to say that my kid shouldn't have dreams, but there are just certain things that you know she can't handle the emotional stress of this job. That's well, the initial problem if, is she can't handle the emotional stress of the job. Any Anybody who's a, a listener, <laughs> like a longtime listener of the show, understands that we are about challenging ourselves and our children to be better, to do better, and to become. So with that being said, you know, um, this is not us just 
trying to make excuses or, you know, trying to protect her in some way. This is legitimately something that she is emotionally incapable of doing. And the and for the teacher not to not to recognize that, it just Well, I just didn't understand why didn't she ask Hannah what her three favorite things are? Yeah. What are your three favorite things to do? Sing, write songs, and um, she likes to cook, learn to cook. Why are we going anywhere outside that realm? Hannah's top thing in life has always been music. Yeah, that's true. So why didn't we look at being a music teacher or maybe going into writing songs? She can write her own music. She can write lyrics. I mean, there's nothing that says, why couldn't she just go into doing that as her college deal and see where it goes? She loves to sing. That's what makes her happy. So why are we trying to chase after something that's a good paying, strong job that she's not capable of rather than get her something that she will enjoy? Because here's the thing. How many of us in this life have taken on a job and stayed there, even though you hate it, you don't want to do it, but you need to keep the paycheck because you're in a point now that you just can't go anywhere else. Right. And you hate it. You're miserable. You look forward to your vacations just so you don't have to talk to anybody. Working for the weekend to get out of there. Exactly. These three kids have enough stuff that they're up against every day that they don't like all these different therapies and these different practices that they have to do all the time. Why shouldn't they look to do something that they love and enjoy and get something out of it? I don't want her to be miserable. I want her to have a good life. Quality of life is where it's at for us now with their being adults. We have to look at what's going to give them the best quality of life moving forward. What's going to make them happy. What are the memories that they're going to have? Because there's enough negative. We need to erase the negative and fill it back with positive as they grow from here. Same with you and I, you know, looking at our situation and how it affects us. Dude, this is a whole, we've got so much coming at us right now. Um, Just looking at Hunter and Kirsten aging out of school and Hannah graduating. Yeah. All within the next year which means my life as we know it is going to change because they'll be with me 24-7. That's not a bad thing, but it's a difficult thing because that means that I'm no longer able to move about freely without having some kind of child care or adult care in place. Yeah, we just don't know what that looks like. And, you know, you can't just, not to get on the soapbox, but with the way that the, the pandemic has affected everything, I can't just take Kirsten into a store. You know, I can't just take her and run in real quick to go get something because she can't wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, and to be perfectly honest, just over Christmas break, we went to a Christmas party and we've been around some people for about a week. And by the fourth day, she was fit to be tied because she didn't know what to do. She's not used to being around people anymore. It's too much stimulation. She's had a year and a half of not having to deal with that outside of a classroom. And her classroom was like 12 kids. So putting her back into an environment where there's 35, 40 people around, she just doesn't deal well with it. Yeah, it's going it, to, it will take time. So that's the point. It's going to take time to acclimate back to life 
And that's why we're looking at moving and, you know, trying to find what's going to be the right place for us so that we can get them out more and, and get them back around people and socializing. And if nothing else, being able to go out and get some fresh air and not freak. Yeah. It's, it's to that, it's at that point of life where, you know, we're in our forties, so we're still very young, but we have to, we're having to plan for just more than ourselves, you know, and if you haven't been in that position and that reality hasn't set down on you yet, um, it, it's a weird place to be. It is incredibly difficult at times to uh, to to kind of digest because before you before when you get married, you know, you think about having kids. You don't, it's not a thing where you, you think, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to have kids and then keep them forever. You want them to go out and be somebody mm-hmm. and, and, you know, enlarge your family and create more family. And then, you know, with that being said, it's like, you, there's not that thought of, oh, some of these kids may have a disability. They may be with me for the rest of their life. Um, you really don't know what those things look like. So your thought is, oh, once we have kids, at some point we'll have grandkids. You know, we'll work hard. We'll be able to travel. We will be able to plan, you know, for the rest of our relationship until we kick the bucket. Yeah, when people say that they're empty nesting and getting ready for retirement, I don't know what that feels like. I don't, I don't know what that looks like because we won't have an empty nest. Right. Save a miracle. I mean, we have faith in God. Save a miracle, you know, but it has not happened to date. So now we're in the place of, this is new territory for us. So, you know, we're offering support to other people, but understand we don't have all the answers either. We're still looking for stuff. We're still trying to figure it out. You know, it's it's looking at um, Quincy's still going to have to work for a while. So it's going to go, it's going to be back to me. It may be more than a while that I have to work. I know. I don't know. I know. And it's going to be back to, you know, I'm basically going to be back to what we were when they were smaller and everything is going to be on my clock, which is fine. I don't have any regrets to it. It's just daunting to look at because I I won't have my own time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what our time together is going to look like or... Like I said, trying to get our trips. If you guys have been listening for a while, Quincy and I are adamant about our date nights and our getaways because that's something that we need to function. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Where if we do end up moving and we don't have family around, we're going to be all we've got for a while. Which It's not a bad thing. I mean, obviously, you won't have a hard time meeting people. You're kind of a people person. Um, But... I don't want to meet people just to bring them over and say, hey, can you babysit my kid? That's, yeah, that's not the purpose right? of it, you know? Well, the the goal would be to get the kids integrated. And that's that's part of what is like somewhat disappointing that we're not independently wealthy. I know there's plenty of other reasons that can be disappointing. But at the same time, it would afford me the opportunity to stay home and do the hard work that I'm capable of doing to redirect these things that are so hard with our version of autism and 
really mold these children into people that are easier to work with the older we get. To make them more functional. You know, that, and that's, that's, yeah, that's probably the thing because I know it would be a God awful amount of work. It's, I'm built for that. I'm okay with that. And I'll stand there and say 10,000 times until it sinks in because I know what it's going to be. I'm, I crack. I'm (laughs) I'm emotional. I crack. It's no, and there's no disrespect to you. It's just, you're not built that way. No, I know what my weaknesses are. I, I have no, I take no offense to it because I know where my weak points are. Um, you know, eventually I just crack under pressure because I'm tired of being screamed at or I'm tired of arguing it and it's just not worth putting us both through it. It helps to have you stand there and play the buffer sometimes or take over. I mean, I have to do it sometimes with Hunter too because the situations between you and him might get a little bit too hard and I have to come in and Hunter won't always hear dad's voice, but if mom comes in and says something, it's like, oh, I know that voice. Okay, I can listen to that one for a minute. Right. And it just pulls him out of whatever he's in. Um, it's just, I mean, they're kids. They're adults, but they're kids. So there is, you know, there are things when my, and look, I used to be a pastor. I come from a family of pastors. That doesn't really mean much, but just telling you, you know, just kind of pre-qualifying this next part of the discussion and then we'll kind of close this out there there were times and this is something i encourage you to do if you're if you're a man or a woman of faith um even if you have no faith and you believe in the universe there were hidden resentments within my life and i'm just going to be extremely vulnerable right now and just let you know um when hunter was born he was born like we've told you he's born with microtia okay and that means that one of his ears didn't fully develop so he was different. And I didn't realize this, but for years I held resentment, if it's possible, in my soul towards God because my son wasn't perfect. And it really, really hurt me deep. Now, did it hurt me because it's about me? No, it hurt me because it's about him. But then you take a step back, and I promised you in this particular episode, I promised you that there would be places of beauty that come along with disabilities um, or with autism. And look, I've counseled some men when it comes to autism because there are spots where I can see the brightness a little bit better. And then there's times where it's just dark, you know. And I've counseled men that basically say, yeah, that's all real nice and good, but how do I fix my kid? Mm-hmm. And I don't have an answer for that. I just don't. If I had thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, i would go give stem cell research in Panama a chance. I would. Why? To make it easier on me? No. So that my son has the opportunity, or my daughter has the opportunity to go out and have the life I feel like they would want or deserve. Now, what do we all deserve? I don't know. We're born into this world. We don't really deserve anything. Life is a gift, and I understand that. But I held resentment within myself towards God um, because, obviously, he did this to my kid. (laughs) At least, you know, that's what I think that was the underlying thing there. And then autism came along, and it really... 
wounded me deep. Now, since I've kind of come to some different understandings that, you know, God is not really up there choosing who gets what, in a sense. It's This is part of life. Picture of the Grinch, jury duty, jury duty, blackmail, jury duty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that being said, there are, I promised you, areas of beauty. There, there are some things of beauty that have come out of this. Had Hunter not had that microtia, it wouldn't have sent Jeannie into action. And I've told this story before. It wouldn't have sent Jeannie into action and learning sign language to more appropriately communicate with our child. I'm a schlub. I have fallen behind. I have not taken the time to learn sign language like I should have. And I'm a lowlife. And that's a part of my life that I understand I need to do something about. But it just so happened that one of those mini trips to the hospital, at a hospital where you're supposed to have private rooms only, Jeannie was in a room with a woman who lived in our town, just down the street, but somebody we never would have met. She saw that the baby was deaf, however you determine that. I'm sure you were able to qualify that, and ended up teaching this mother or creating an opportunity to teach this mother how to communicate with her child through sign language. And then, you know, she developed a best friend out of this situation because Hunter went to a school, met a young lady. The school district thought that we were tag teaming. <laughs> yeah. And then created a lifelong friendship out of it. And Jeannie was running classes for free teaching people sign language and there is a lot of beauty to come from the, that pain and there are times you know where these kids their innocence just how innocent and real they are they give you a sense of beauty that you might not otherwise see so even though there is struggle there are, there's plenty of places that are just so amazing to celebrate along with these kids. The story Jeannie told about Hunter and, you know, Santa Claus and him not wanting to be Santa Claus because <laughs> Santa Claus gives the gifts. He doesn't get any, and Hunter loves to get gifts. Um, Kirsten recognizing the jerk in the middle of the movie and yelling, Shut up, boy! <laughs> or or the other words that well, she... Yeah, she learned how to say a-hole in one of the romance not, uh, movies that we watched. We were watching some rom-com and... The jerk showed up and Kirsten very quietly whispered, asshole. And I laughed my butt off because y'all might not take it as a win because it's a cuss word. I took it as a win because she actually recognized the characteristics of the person. So right. it was pretty important. It's kind of like at school she got, she didn't really get in trouble, but they questioned because she told the, the aide, hey, can you wipe my ass? And her speech teacher said, the speech teacher part of me was like, yes, she used it in context. And the grown up side of her was like, ooh, but do I correct that? How do yeah. we how do we gauge this one? And let me tell you, Quincy and I celebrated it because although um, it's not the language it, Quincy it was, would prefer, it was great it was context. Just, yeah. She understood something and that was cool for us, which thank you, by the way, Monica, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um so with that, you know, there are times when you look at other people's situations and their children with disabilities and their kids will never speak a word. And our kids, good grief, they do nothing but talk. 
but we do have the luxury. We are completely blessed that our children can say, I love you. They can call mom. They can call dad. And those are things that we do not take for granted. The dreams that I got about Hunter's Innocence, I thank God for those because it's something to be protected. It's something to be honored. So there is a lot of pain. That's reality. There is also beauty in this. That's reality. There is, There are situations that just make you want to rip your freaking hair out because, A, your kid's either pissing you off or you just don't know how to help them. But even in those, there's been times where... I remember in our old house, I don't remember what happened, but I know Kirsten and I had had a really rough day that day. And then you came home and I don't remember what happened. I just remember you and I went off on each other and I was in the kitchen making dinner and I was crying and Kirsten was maybe six or seven. She was little. Yeah. And she just walked into the kitchen and gave me a hug, kissed me on the cheek and told me we're friends. Hmm. So... Even though what was going on with me and her isn't her fault, it's the autism, she recognized enough to see that I was upset. Yeah. And I think that was kind of her way of trying to apologize. Now, she can, if she if she does something, she can actually, sometimes she recognizes it and immediately we say, I'm sorry, Mom. Because she knows, even though she lost control of it, she knows it's not right. But... Um, in the Those, moment, she just... Yeah, but even in the moment when we're heated or things are going crappy and we're struggling, I got to tell you, having Kirsten walk over to you and drop her 140-pound self in your lap the other day and lay her head on your chest, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. She's not a cuddle bug. And she just all of a sudden wanted to sit on Daddy's lap and hug him, and it was just like, okay. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Those are the wins. Those are the moments that you have to realize... They're not oblivious. They just can't always communicate what they see. Yeah, as frustrating as it is for you on the outside, God help these children who sometimes on the outside can only scream because they can't form the words to tell you how they feel. It's really, it's really, it's really a crazy situation at times. But this is, I'm going to end this thing here. And uh, a lot of what Jeannie was saying, I was trying to listen, but looking for this poem, and I finally found it. Um, And I'll leave you with this, but this is a place where I was, and this is why we say support. Support those people. Yeah, Honey, go ahead. Just make as much noise as you can. It ain't no big deal, but it is a big deal. Here's the poem I wrote one day, and you'll tell after this I'm not a writer, but uh, I had to get this out of my out of my spirit because this is the this is exactly where I was. I've discovered a wound on my soul that must be transformed. It has crushed my heart, stolen my namesake, assaulted myself and my family members physically. It has robbed the joyous moments between father and son, mother and daughter, and seeks thievery of our futures. It has built a wall in my soul and gives the free gift of new blocks for building pain daily. The wall grows higher and higher. It rains pain on intimacy, peace of mind, and rest. In all the moments of joy and elation, grief surrounds your camp, loitering for an opportunity to strike. It has no regrets for heartbreak or healing therein. It shouts, it screams, it, it, it shouts, it screams, it viciously assaults your identity as a parent and renders you helpless 
to the very heart that desires your help. It stands demanding the demands be met, shouting, biting, kicking, punching, screaming. Like the waves on the beach, it continues. It's relentless beauty without any vision of end. It is consistency of remarkable measure while interrupting your ability to be consistent. It makes a simple task impossible. And it appears this wall is preventing me from seeing the freedom and the healing for my children. I'm going to tell you, it still strikes emotion in me um, right now, reading it. Because I, that, was, uh, that was the depths of hopelessness. And fortunately, God is good and truly helped me begin to become vulnerable and become hopeful again. Um, but there's a chance that people uh, suffer in silence, no matter what they make it out to be. And when reality sets in, it can be really, really difficult to see the sun on some days because of what your expectations were that this life does not offer you anymore. So with that being said, thank God that we decided to do something about our relationship. Yeah, we couldn't have managed. I don't think we would have got through this part of their lives if we hadn't fixed our foundation between us and it's something that we have to continually do and we don't have a perfect marriage just because we have a podcast we have challenges just like everybody else um we forget to use our own tools often (laughs) we do we do but the fact remains um that we want to hear your story or the story of your family and your friends and see what type of support we can be for them. I gave you the email addresses. If you're still with us, thank you for listening. Um, if you've been through the process that we're embarking on now, by all means, we'd love to hear some of your thoughts and ideas on what you did and how you navigated through it. Cause this is all new water for us. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the part where we connect. It's not just about marriage. It's about the relationship aspect of this as a whole so thank you guys for listening we really truly appreciate it that woman over there that i just winked at that is Jeannie moran and i am quincy moran aka the q dog and this is man versus marriage how good do you want your life to be you gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.